1: And we are back, folks, another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider, and we are going to be talking about the recruiting board, resetting a number of recruiting boards, and talking about the guys, frankly, that are must-gets for the class. Uh, Must-gets from the standpoint that if Michigan doesn't get the guys that we are going to mention, they are going to be left really, really looking to add to the list, to expand the board, to widen the net. to to find who's going to fill the gap from these losses. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the podcast. But joining me as they do every single week to break down all things Michigan recruiting, starting off first with Mr. Bryce Marich. Bryce, how are you today? Doing good. Doing good. And, of course, back from his brief hiatus, uh, right back into into the fire is Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you today, man?
0: good guys actually always glad to be back one of the perks of this job like like doing it so when you're gone you actually kind of miss it a little bit so glad <laughs> You miss You miss me Steve huh uh well I'm not gonna go that far. I don't think, but okay. miss certain aspects of the job. Let's say that. Okay. okay.
1: Hey, well, hey, you didn't miss the board after Keon Sab went to Clemson, right? We'll get into that shortly. Before we do, I want to remind you if you if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it, be sure to review it, be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find this podcast wherever they get, uh, whatever platform they like, whether it's Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, any podcast platform will have the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Just search michigan insider podcast and then of course if you want this kind of dish and intel every day go to the MichiganInsider.com. one dollar gets you in for the first month that takes you through the barbecue that takes you through uh fall camp just get you ready to go for the season but fellas let's start off talking about keon sab a guy who frankly it was a surprise that michigan was among the finalists for from the time that bob shoop Stepped away from his coaching duties at Michigan. Up to and until Steve Klinkscale comes in in May, there's basically no contact with Keon Sapp, a guy who they had some groundwork. in. He's a Jersey guy, a Garden State guy, so uh, there was an attraction there. There was a lot of early contact. Uh, And then through all the transition, just wound up, getting a little lost in the wash. I don't know if it got to the point where Michigan thought it, they would be spinning their wheels trying to recruit him. I think it was probably that, that they didn't think that they had much of a chance uh, in that recruitment with as as big as it had gotten and with as much time as has had passed. But the fact that they were able to get in as quickly and as significantly as they were able to, how would it have looked, you know, their chances if – they had have recruited him all the way through. Uh, that's what I keep coming away with. That's not to say that they would have gotten him because there's still a you know a gap in the on field performance. But at the end, think about what he said. He said, "I was going back and forth. I always came back to Clemson." This is the quote he gave to Will Fong. But I kept at the end going back and forth between Clemson, Georgia, and Michigan. One of these things, one of these schools, one of these programs is different from the rest when it comes to playoff participation, right? and yet their Michigan sat. So that just tells you that if you know maybe some some more nurturing of relationships even with the transition, uh, if there had been some some mainstays that stayed on, maybe it would have worked out. Maybe if if when Courtney Morgan came to bat on staff, if Keon Sab was a guy that they had maintained a connection with, he could have helped further that. Right. And the same thing with Clink Scale, but that just wasn't in the cards. And it wound up being too steep a hill for Michigan to climb. To me, the lesson isn't what a lot of fans took from it. A lot of fans took, oh, you just don't recruit guys like that. To me, the lesson is look at where you were, despite the the disparity in record and postseason participation. I mean, you were you were right there with those guys. Not to say that there are such things as moral victories. I think, Steve. The point is that you got enough pull, enough lure, enough draw that if you run the race with some of these guys, it puts you in position where maybe something else can bridge that gap. Maybe nil could bridge that gap for you. Maybe maybe he waits a little while longer and sees how you do how you do early in the season. I think that's a reason to stay on him. For instance, I mean you made up enough relationship ground that you keep uh, you know keep some irons in the fire like you are doing with Damani Jackson. So if you do some things on the field during the season, maybe you're in that position. Don't make the same mistake twice by completely pulling off a guy because you think it's an exercise in futility when that guy has shown you that there's some natural draw to your program.
0: I've always like, and I, you know, I, I, I understand that it's a little difficult for people to comprehend. And I, I'm not, I don't mean that like jokingly. I really do. I've always like, I don't think all recruiting losses are created equal. Necessarily, I think there are some, and this one's another. This one's one where I think you can take some real positives out of it. Like you said, Michigan dead in the water for months uh, are able to kind of get back into it. I think the other big thing to me is I feel like it shows when everyone's on the same page, staff-wise, and are pushing in the same direction, um, they can make some headway and, and land some guys that not that you might not necessarily originally have pegged into the class or a guy you say like you said. I mean, we'll just be honest. Like like you said, Clemson, Georgia right now, different level than Michigan is Mm -hmm. on the field recruiting wise. Uh, You know, Michigan is not at that level at this point. Uh, But I think when you see them in a situation where there was varying amounts of optimism going into his announcement. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think it's it's a situation where, yes, it's a loss. Are they, you know, does it does it change the fact that they didn't get him? No. But there are always – not well, actually, there aren't. There aren't always positives you can take out of a big recruitment like this. For Michigan in this situation uh, to kind of come back and become a factor again shows that, yeah, I think if the staff is all on the same page and, and pushing in the same direction, they can make themselves a factor with, with a lot of
1: guys across the country. I think it's a terrific point. You mentioned that not all recruitments are created equal. There are some recruitments where, you know, it looks so dire where it doesn't makes sense to to keep pushing, right? Some five-star recruits is like, oh man, you, you really would be spinning your wheels, but this one was different. I mean, this one was one where, you know, this was rekindled really in as much because of interest from Sab's side as, as Michigan. I mean I think I think there were indications given to Michigan that, hey, I'm open, right? So it's like, wow. Yeah. And and the kid lent credence to some of the optimism that they were feeling. He didn't have to mention Michigan as one of his final three considerations. He could have easily just mentioned Clemson and Georgia, or he could have thrown A&M at, you know, the interesting thing was talking to Will Fong earlier that week. So we can give a little retrospective. So Steve Wilfong had breakfast with Antoine Sab early last week, you know, the week of his, de- of Keon's decision to talk his decision over, talk his announcement over. And I remember talking to Will Fong about it. He said he came out of that, Thinking it's Georgia and AM. He sat down with the dad, came out of the meeting thinking it's Georgia, the, the breakfast thinking it's Georgia and AM. You know, Will Johnson thought it was Georgia and Michigan. And, you know, there was clearly some wavering. Maybe not so much AM, but certainly in, in the final analysis when the kid just came out after the decision, said it came back to Clemson, but I was going back between Clemson. Georgia and Michigan that hey yeah Michigan really made some headway. So this is one where you you know kid showed some long standing interest. He showed they showed some initiative and even after the top 6 that hey it's it's worth you getting back in this recruitment. Recruitments like that where you have some in, you have some tie, it makes sense to keep running the race. Like Damani Jackson. You know, kid maybe he you know, it's an uphill battle if it's not USC, it's probably Bama. But, dude, you got a tie there, Bryce. You got a tie there. I mean, you got lifelong fandom. If you have some good fortune during the season, and if you lean into NIL, these are big ifs, you know, maybe you bridge some gaps. Maybe he, you know, his heartstrings get pulled when he comes on that visit in the fall. That's why you you run races like that, Bryce.
2: I'm not big on moral victories either, Sam, but I would say the biggest thing to take away from Keon Sab is his interests and how much he felt about Michigan, despite everything had to overcome. And with his recruitment, having one recruiter go and another, the two and four season, you know, in between of, I mean, even the recruiting staff got replaced at Michigan. So a lot of turnover happened during his recruitment with Michigan. And at the very end, they had a hat on the table, Mm -hmm. you know? So you're seeing still a lot of big time prospects consider Michigan, closely look at them and like Steve said you know if you get the guys all together and you see Michigan make that collective big push they can make things happen and with Keon Sab, he's a guy that he's the type of athlete I would too keep recruiting see how the season goes and maybe you can get him up on campus again like a uh, Damani Jackson that's not to say they're going to get this kid that's not going to say you know he is going to even visit but just have plant that seed in the back of his head, keep talking to him, see where his mind's at, and go from there. But, you know, you just got at this point, you just got to move along, see what the other options are at safety.
1: Right. So let's start talking about those other options. Dylan Tatum. So <laughs> how many podcasts have we talked about Dylan Tatum? Right. It's, it's been a long, a longer road than expected. I think you reported in April, Bryce, that he had a decision coming. And the finish line has moved a number of times. Uh, it looked like maybe in June something was gonna happen uh, now we're coming up on the end of July. been a lot of Michigan state buzz. I know I lowered my crystal ball confidence on him uh late last month after he got through the um after he got through Victor's weekend with no commitment. And this was you know he the guys on the visit was like man <laughs> he's been like. He oh I think that was Detroit, Detroit Day. He spent Daddy. like a Detroit Sorry, day where he spent like 45 minutes taking photos. They were like, man, what is this dude taking pictures for, right? So uh that doesn't mean that he's locked in to to Michigan. We know that there have been things he wanted to see from Michigan, the coaching turnover wound up uh affecting him. The relationship with Steve Klinkscale was something he talked about wanting to build, I think getting a better feel for how he would fit. Uh, was another thing. Well, now it's – I think as far as his Michigan recruitment is concerned, at least as far as my crystal ball about projecting him to Michigan, it's crunch time Uh, for me. He is slated to visit Michigan next week. He is in the AAU Junior Olympics for track. uh, That I I think he leaves the middle of next week for that. He's supposed to make it to Michigan's campus – Early next week, before going on that AAU track visit, if he comes out of that trip without a without either a commitment or an announcement date, uh, it'll be time for me to to lower the crystal ball confidence all the way down, if not flip altogether. I I think his where things stand the timeline with him is inextricably tied, in my opinion, Steve, to to Jacoby Albert. Uh, I think I think, one, whichever of those guys jumps first uh, could really alter what happened. It, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different because Jacoby Albert is such a wild card. He could be offense or defense, and I think they've said that to him. But I, I just – if they got Jacoby Albert, I, I absolutely would not have a crystal ball for uh, Dylan Tatum to go to Michigan at that point if Dylan Tatum chose Michigan, I could still see them taking Jacoby Albert because Jacoby Albert could wind up being offense. He could be nickel. He could be corner. He's just, I think they look at him in so many places. He's like a team take kind of guy. So I, I think it's a it's a D-Day type of situation, Bryce and Steve, at least as far as my crystal ball with Dylan Tatum is concerned.
0: That makes sense too. And, and I, I mean, this should all get wrapped up was Albert's committing, I believe, in the first week of August. He's going to make his decision. That looks like it's Michigan or Auburn. Uh, the feel is that Auburn has kind of gone back and forth on him a little bit. We'll see if that ends up mattering or not uh, for a kid out of Alabama. Uh, you know, got to think if one of the in-state schools really wants, he's going to be maybe a little bit tough. But, but Michigan, I'd say it's hard to say they have not prioritized him more than Auburn has. And for a longer period of time at this point. Right. So Michigan does have that in their favor. Uh, They just feels like they love him more than, than Auburn does. I mean, I I know when he first announced his top three, no Kentucky was a little bit of a surprise um, and that the, there was a sense for a while that it wasn't sure if Auburn would, would have taken a verbal commitment from him, which kind of led some people to believe maybe Michigan was in the driver's seat, but now it feels like he's a take for both programs. But yeah, the versatility makes him – it's a little bit of a different situation than it is with Tatum where it feels like they're locked in on him as far as uh, the defense the defense goes. So, yeah, I think we'll know – we're, we're going to know really quick, you know, and, and that is one – that's the one interesting little twist is, you know, Michigan can kind of make that clear to Dylan Tatum. Maybe he then drops for Michigan and they could still – Still, pick up Albert. You know that I think if you're Michigan, it might be the best case scenario as to how this plays out. You beat Michigan State for a kid that you've been recruiting forever, and then you beat Auburn for a guy that you've been on longer and and have been on probably stronger, uh, and a guy that you could yeah that could project both sides of the football.
1: Yeah, the story I heard about Jacoby Albert, where they're like this dude's a freak. They, They they you know recruiting weekend. I can't remember who all was there, but there was a story about how they took him over to see Juwan Howard. I uh, took him over to the uh, player development center, and they said the dude just standing flat foot, not a running start, just standing under the rim, just gathered himself, rose, and dunked. <laughs> like this dude's a freak. This dude's a- what is he five eleven? Uh, he could just stand, gather himself, and dunk uh, from a standing position. Is that's that's some the that, the I mean, tops? It's that's all hops.
2: right. I can do that. It's not that big of a deal.
1: Well, it's not over exaggerated Not everyone is like you. Like you, Bryce. How you see Uh, this? Where are you on this Dylan Tatum deal at this point,
2: Sam? You, I mean, you pointed out pretty clearly. He's given me seven different timelines. I mean, it's almost like trying to figure out what my wife wants for dinner. It's (laughs) it's difficult, you know. It's like pulling teeth, you know, having a root canal or something. But yeah, he's it's down in Michigan, Michigan State. You know, he said, obviously, he's got the connections to Michigan with Ron Bellamy, you know, Van Edwards, Macari Page. He's got all his teammates up there. But he told me, too, you know, he grew up a fan of Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And so he's been to Michigan State just as many times. And, you know, with Mark D'Antonio, when he was there, they weren't really a big factor for a lot of in-state kids, especially like a Dylan Tatum. But Mel Tucker, I and mean, we've seen it now with several of the guys in the previous cycle here. With you know, uh, Benny and Andre Anthony and all of them, he's making these guys the Taj Mahal recruits. Like mm-hmm. these are the number one thing in the whole wide world, you know. And I think he can feel that, and I think he's enjoying that attention and that love. And I don't know if Michigan's giving that same type of love back. That's not to say they're not showing interest because they absolutely are. But
1: but is Michigan I don't, State recruiting him? Like he is the centerpiece of their of their class. He's like
2: the Walter Nolan Mm. for Michigan State's class, it feels like. And so I think that's taken a big thing into consideration. And the other thing is too with Albert, you know, one of the things what I was told with his recruitment is distance to home will play a factor, it seems like. So if that's the case, since between Auburn and Michigan, I kinda lent, you know, tends towards Auburn on that one. And let's let's just say he picks Auburn. I'm not saying well, but let's say he picks Auburn, and Dylan's still out there taking his time. What does Michigan do at that point? Do they keep waiting? Do they expand the board? What what where do they go from there? So that's another interesting thing as well.
1: Yeah, I think it will be one of those deals where they keep running a race with him, but the, but the board gets expanded, but in a way that's different than I think maybe people are anticipating. So. Andre Stewart, the kid out of Georgia, committed to Kentucky, was one of the guys that Steve Klinkscale offered very, uh, you know, not long after he came into the fold here at Michigan. I think that the the feeling is that he can play safety, that he could be a safety prospect. Or you could, you know, if you got another one of these corners, the, the guys that you have in the fold – I know. In talking to you know, talking to Miles in the in the past, you know, corner safety, you know, he has that kind of versatility. So you could sort of play around with it a little bit as well. Whether that's getting a guy like Jaleel Florence, who could open up some versatility on the back end with the guys you have, because remember, you you got three corners in the fold right now. Right, do you have versatility with any of those other guys to? to play elsewhere in the secondary. Or or in Omarion Walker, who we'll talk about a little bit later on when we get into the barbecue conversation. I know a lot of folks, or he's rated as a receiver, Notre Dame recruiting him as a receiver, Michigan recruiting that guy as a DB. 6'3", 170 pounds, four 40 at, at Alabama's camp, 40-inch vertical at Alabama's camp. I mean, that's a guy... Uh, that has corner safety versatility, too. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole that spot to, hey, they got to get another guy that's rated at safety. They could wind up taking another corner, and that sh- help shape the safety picture, too. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, guys, let's get over into the linebacker position because this is, this is another very interesting one where in the next week or so, you know, the next couple of weeks, we are going to get some real definition with regard to, you know, how things are shaping up with linebacker recruiting. But there's a guy that I know you've been talking to a little bit, and you've been talking to him even longer, Steve, and that's Lander Barton out of Utah. Some buzz there with Michigan. The question is, how much should we take from that buzz right now with regard to Michigan's chances?
0: So I think we had briefly discussed him before we got on Sam. There's – Deep connections to the Utah program. I was looking at his profile today. Uh, I did the update on him earlier. I know Bryce has a more in-depth one coming tomorrow. Uh, but he hadn't like had like a any kind of substance, substantive update uh, in like two or three months on the site from anybody, not just Michigan. He's had one of the of anybody in the top two, four, seven. He's probably I, I bet he's had one of the four or five quietest recruitments of any kid uh, that's being heavily recruited in twenty two. It feels like he's only visited Utah. I did see one report that he'd he be like camped at like some sort of camp that was like the Utah coaches were at or something like that. Um, he's a guy Michigan's been trying to get to campus uh, multiple times and for months. You know, knowing that this summer kids would be able to come up and visit, Michigan was really pushing hard for since like the winter, basically since you know he's one of those guys that the staff offered very early on, and uh, they just haven't been able to kind of make it work so far and I I know it's aiming towards an in-season visit which I think all of a sudden would become a very important visit for Michigan I mean well really it's going to probably make or break it if he does come up uh, anytime this fall uh, for Michigan's chances because it's probably the only time he's there before he makes a a decision or whatever so he's been the tip top like I say we have the top targets list and then we always do talk about some guys that we call tip top targets. He's definitely in that tip top category, but you know, it's what, and I know we talk about linebacker. This is where kind of missing on a kid like Josh Burnham puts a lot of pressure on Michigan. You have a kid in your own backyard that you kind of miss on. Um, now you're fighting Utah for a kid straight out of Utah and you're fighting Texas LSU and Baylor for a, a kid out of a small town in East Texas, you know, it makes it puts a lot of pressure on Michigan to win a race where they don't maybe have some of those built-in advantages they did uh, with Josh Burnham.
1: Yeah, man, it's it's interesting. I mean, this is a kid. You mentioned the deep, deep ties, deep ties to Utah. Mom and dad were both standout athletes at Utah. His two brothers, Jackson and Cody, were both guys at Utah, both drafted a couple of years ago in the NFL draft. All right. And so and now his sister is like a, a record setting volleyball player at Utah. So five standout athletes that were Utes. That's a tough pull, man. <laughs> I mean, it it would literally take them saying we don't want you to go. We don't want you to follow in our footsteps. The whole family is Utes, And that's not to say that you can't get them, but you got to get man. You got it. I think you got to get a kid like that on campus a few times, a couple times. You know, it's it's that they aren't getting them for an unofficial visit. I think it's a blow uh, in that recruitment. Again, not to say that you can't get him, Bryce, and it'll be interesting, your conversation with him. And, folks, you can sort of look out for that on the michiganinsider.com later on this week. But, you know, not getting him in an un, on an unofficial. It's one of the things that when looking at a guy like Josh Connerly, it makes you feel a little bit better that he's coming on an unofficial He's, and then he's coming back on an official visit. Jaleel Florence came on an official visit. He's coming back for the Washington game, right? Guys like that, you feel like, you know, you need to, coming that far away from home, especially, you feel like you need to get them on campus a couple of times. They got, they, you know, this is not a Cavante Henry situation where, you know, his profile is, is not as high as those other kids. So they kind of were able to sneak in there and steal. Him and he's even coming back for a second visit, right? So it's like, man, I think he's coming up for the barbecue. So it's like, man, this one is a—it's going to be a really, really tough one to see Michigan coming out on top with. But, again, you run the race as long as the kid is showing you some semblance of interest.
2: It's definitely an uphill battle. Um, I think, I mean, Michigan definitely had to know that going into this even. I mean, I think every school knew that going into this, but – He has shown interest in Michigan. He has expressed interest in making a visit to Michigan. There were a lot of talks between him and the staff on trying to make the barbecue. That was definitely in the talks. That was definitely something he wanted to do. It just wasn't going to work out. Um, Like you said, Sam, I will have a full interview with him and more about just a recruitment. from it because like Steve said, there's not much out there about him right now other than just a Utah legacy kid basically. But He's gonna he told me he's gonna definitely try to make the Washington game. Um he wants to check out a game day environment in in Ann Arbor. But like you said Sam, I mean this is the type of kid you're going to have to not only wow maybe once, but this might be twice, you know, and it and who knows at that point if it, if it's even enough, you know, I know Michigan, they look at his build, his frame at 6'4" to 15, he can run sideline to sideline just athletic you know, extremely athletic football player in the state of Utah. Um, but at the same time, they don't have too many ties in Utah, first off. The kid with definitely plenty of ties to the in-state school. And the kid's never seen campus. So you have to have realistic expectations with recruitment like this. You know, for him to show interest, that's great and all. But to land him, that's another thing. And right now, it's definitely uphill battle.
1: Well, it's it's interesting to really see how hard they're pushing with Barton compared to a guy like Sebastian Cheeks, because at this point it it feels like just from, you know, what you can pick up, we can sort of sense things and, and talking to the kids about who's hearing the most from Michigan. It just feels like they've started to prioritize Lander Barton like, he's moved way up the board compared to, like, a Sebastian Cheeks, who's already been to campus, who's close, who's in the footprint, right? So that that says to me a couple of things, that they're feeling pretty good about where they stand with Lander Barton. That's number one. Number two, they must feel like they're playing with house money with a guy like Jeremy Patton, especially when you add to it that Deuce Spurlock. I mean, Deuce Spurlock was on the coach. Deuce Spurlock's grandmother was on Twitter tweeting about having to get a winter coat, having to get her winter coat ready, right? And it, it, it's really feeling like they've pulled way off of Deuce Spurlock at this point. So they pulled off of Deuce Spurlock. Feels like Lander Barton with the level of prioritization, uh, in, at least in the form of contact, that he's moved above Sebastian Cheek's. That, to me, Steve, says, like I, like I just mentioned, they must be feeling really good about Lander Barton, and then they are feeling especially good about Jeremy Patton. I, I don't know how else to read it. Well,
0: it seems like Texas and Baylor both feel pretty good about <laughs> Jeremy Patton also. Yeah. It's going really, to be really interesting to see uh, where he announces because uh, it does, it feels like, I don't think I'm going out of bounds to say I think all three staffs feel, or have been led to believe that they should feel pretty good about who he's going to choose, mm-hmm. and uh, that and, and what what makes it worse on Michigan's end is they're the ones I believe I don't have Texas and Baylor's recruiting boards handy, but with the way you just set that up, Michigan is the the one with the most to lose if this doesn't go their way. Yeah. Even even then though. For a kid out of, a, like I said, a small town out of East Texas, Tanaha's like in the uh, – closer to Louisiana. Like this isn't – if Baylor, let's say, they're not going to stop right. recruiting Patton even if he's a verbal. This is a clear – with Texas, I don't know. I don't know who else they're recruiting. You know, Texas is always in on guys. It's Texas. But, I, you know, other schools are not going to stop. So, yeah, I mean, this it is. It's going to be fascinating. And Michigan, like I said, has a lot to lose here. With Barton, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you laid it. You laid it out really well with the the, the connections to Utah. Uh, he does have a lot of other schools closer to Utah, also that are at least have offered. Uh, we don't know. You know, he does have a Stanford offer, right? They're always a school you wonder if they're involved there or not. Like I said, he's said very little about his own recruitment, so it's hard to know who the real players are. Except for we've been we've been consistent. You know, we know that Michigan's recruiting him. Other sites in the network, we haven't seen a ton of updates from, so we, it's hard to really say. You know, it's like a Stanford or a Colorado or, or any of those or an Oregon or any of those schools really recruiting that hard. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a, a linebackers, very precarious position right now, to say the least, which, if we're being honest, is not a great position for recruiting to be precarious at knowing that it is a huge, huge need for them with the amount of transfers they've had at the position the last 18 months and knowing they're looking for a different type of linebacker. Uh, then maybe Don Brown was recruited.
1: Right, and you think about in the class, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Alexander is a uh, is an outstanding athlete, but uh, in uh, not much film, not much uh, high school. I mean, he's more of a project than others in that there's a running back transitioning to linebacker that showed some promise, but not a lot on film, not a lot in game action because he, he was hurt. So uh, I expect him to have a big year, but... He's not the proven commodity at the high school level that some of these other targets are. Before we get to this break, because I want to, get to, I want to get to the five guys that we look at in this class and we say, hey, Michigan, these are like maybe the must-get guys, that if they don't get them, you're, you're left like, okay, now we got to figure some things out. We got to, if you're Michigan, you're saying, we got to figure out what are we going to do, where are we going to turn, do we widen our net now? based on missing on this guy, but Sebastian Cheeks, you know, it, it felt like coming out of the visit that, that that one was, was really trending up. And while I think he really liked the visit, I just, it just, Bryce, it just feels like, you know, the the focus has shifted more Barton's way. And again, a lot of that might be playing with house money with Jeremy Patton, but it just feels like Sebastian Cheeks, that there are some other, some other suitors of his that are, are more at the fore of that recruitment right now?
2: Well, he came out and announced a commitment date, I think at the end of the month mm-hmm. or so. Um, so he's going to be letting the world know where he's going. And right now I don't think it's Michigan. I, I just don't think Michigan's here's the thing about that recruitment. Sharon Moore has been recruiting the kid for years, right? So Michigan is very familiar with him, with the family, I mean, shoot, J.J. McCarthy's family is very familiar with the family. Um, So there's a lot, there's ties there. There's longstanding history with the kid, but it's a new defensive staff and they have different.
1: What they want, right?
2: What they want, you know? And I don't, and I think going back to like a Justice Finkley, they don't want to put a basically fit a, you know, round or round peg in a square hole. At that point, they don't want to try to jam. They want to find the guys that fit their system the best, regardless of, you know, rankings or offer lists or whatever. And and like I said, with the old defense staff, they had a different way. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Um, I know Michigan's still making a push there. They're not giving up, obviously. But at the same time, if I had to pick today, I'd probably pick North Carolina. I think North Carolina, he's had a really good connection there with the defensive staff. Especially Mac Brown, the head coach, um, and,
1: and they're recruiting right over now. him. They, I mean, they're all over him. Both yeah. feet, both feet. Everyone just uh, bum rushing him. With he's a he's a major, 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 major priority for them, and I think he's probably feeling that. I think he's probably feeling that. So we we will see. We will get to the five guys though. So let's take a break here. We'll come back on the other side, and we will get to the five guys that we think. Uh, at this point in the recruiting, and to be clear with this recruiting picture, you know, Michigan was just their last commitment, I think, moved them inside the top 10. And now, based on movement elsewhere, they're at number 11. So it's not like they're in dire straits. Uh, but depending on how they close, you know, it, it it could tell the tale. I mean, you know, Michigan could either be in the, on the lower end of the top 10 into just outside it or they could slide down in in close to the 20 range, depending on how this thing closes out. So, we will get into that on the other side here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel, serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition And we're back, guys, here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider and the five guys. So I think the first guy, when we talk about the the must-gets for Michigan, down the stretch of the summer and heading into the, the winter, some of these guys are about to make decisions. I'm going to start off first talking about Jeremy Patton. I, I think if they don't get Jeremy Patton, it, it's adjustment time. I think that they are actively scouting in the fall, trying to widen it. I think you are – you are really keeping tabs on guys who might be committed to other schools at that point. I think that Michigan feels really good. At least they were feeling really good about, I think, where they stood. There has to be some pause about all the Texas buzz that's going on. He is slated to take a Texas visit before he announces his decision on the 31st. But I think that the belief is that the timeline – for his announcement is about them, more about them than any other school. So I, I, I see the reason for the optimism, but to your point, Steve, Baylor was given reason for optimism. Texas was given reason for optimism. He did make his announcement date seemingly in keeping with kind of what you were saying if you're Michigan, but can you really take that to the bank? It's going to be interesting to see uh, what the rumblings are here in the days leading up to this decision? Because I won't hesitate to change my crystal ball, but that's you know that that doesn't mean a thing. Crystal balls don't mean a thing. If they don't get Jeremy Patton and Deuce Spurlock, you've already pulled off a of Deuce Spurlock some, and and Sebastian cheeks. You know you you sort of kind of elevated Lander Barton at this point. It really thrusts Lander Barton into. You know, kind of the the musket territory, but that's a guy who has five relatives who've either gone to or at Utah right now. It just puts you in a really tough position if you don't get Jeremy Patton there, Steve.
0: Yeah, so I was looking. I mean, he's the only. He and Barton are the only uncommitted linebackers I could see that they're actively, like actively recruiting at this point. So yeah, you're talking about. Do they stay on a kid like Manny Powell? I guess the, the Ohio guy that they just offered, uh, that they voted unanimously to offer uh, on his visit, and then he committed to Arkansas about a week later. Uh, do you stay on a kid like that? I mean, the, I, the, it is. It's going to either be uncommitted guys, or I mean, committed guys elsewhere, or yeah.
1: Or, or Travis to- Lathan, uh, Travis Lathan, a guy that they offered, showed some interest in, they have some ties to that school. That's where Jalen Brown, the... The five-star, now the five-star receiver. Is he the number one receiver in that class now? One or two. He's he's right up there. Yeah, yeah. you know, Michigan very much in the running, uh, not just with, with Jalen Brown, but just at that school. Think of all the ties. You got Desmond Howard in the school. His kids go to school there. He's coaching on the, on the roster. He's a mentor, you know, volunteer coach when he can. And he's a, you know, a mentor of sorts for Jalen Brown, but you got some Michigan influence there. Juwan Howard's kids went to Gulliver. Uh, before they uh, transferred and went elsewhere, and the the AD who's from Michigan, is really tight with Juwan, too. You got you got some ties there with a guy like Travius Lathan, who there was a lot of word, a lot of talk he was going to commit to West Virginia when he went up there. He did not commit to West Virginia. He's uh, the word is he's looking to get out of South Florida. Being, you're going to have to maybe kick tires like that. If you aren't already, if you miss on a Jeremy Patton, that's that's the kind of what I'm talking about. You don't get Jeremy Patton, man, you're you're looking around, in my opinion, at that point, especially if Lander Barton is at the top of the list with all the ties that he has to to Utah. So it's going to be interesting to see how how that all plays out. Let's let's move on. How about one from you, Bryce? A, A must get for for Michigan in the in the five. We got Jeremy Patton. Who would you add to the list?
2: I would add Deion Walker. I know we just talked about him last week on the podcast, uh, Detroit Cast Tech. He's now four-star on the composite. Um, and he's a guy, I mean, we Steve brought it up even before the podcast we r- recorded. He's like a jumbo athlete in terms of he's important because he could play defensive tackle, who Michigan has compared him to, uh, Calais Col- uh, Harris or Campbell.
1: Um, Calais Campbell, yeah.
2: Calais Campbell, uh, the defensive tackle for the Ravens, my bad. And then he could also play offensive tackle. And so offensive line recruiting so far has been hit or miss, um, you know, and that's, I think, been Jerome Moore, Ben Delta's, oh, you know, tough hand, just kind of where he was projected in and where he came in with the recruiting. But, yeah, Deion Walker, he could play both sides of the line. He's an in-state guy. He's from Detroit Cass Tech. He checks a lot of boxes, and he's a guy that I think he could play pretty early as well. I mean, he has the – you know, size, he's got the strength and he's someone that definitely fits at positions of need. You know, this is a guy that, you know, if they miss on him, like we're talking about, Sam, you miss on a Deion Walker, who do you go for? Because there's not a lot of six six, three hundred thirty 330 pounders or whatever he is now walking around the streets, you know, especially one right in your own backyard. So he's tough to find and tough to miss. And this is one you don't want to miss as well.
1: Right. It relieves some of the pressure. On both sides, like if let's say you missed on some of your O-line targets and hit on some D-line targets, which we're going to be talking about here in the top five must-gets, then you got that versatility with Deion Walker or maybe he skews more offense or vice versa. If if you got, you know, you you hit on some offensive line help, it maybe frees you up a little bit more to play him on defense. So it really fits. He's an in-state guy. Uh, You know, all the guys that we're going to talk about, I think he's the guy that they have the best shot at landing in-state, do primary recruiter of Michigan's top competitor, which is Kentucky, in my opinion, on campus. I agree. Absolute must get Deion Walker. All right, Steve, how about you add one to the mix? I
0: think at receiver, I think we're looking at his receiver kind of quietly a position where we're sort of wondering. uh, I think Dylan Bell. Given all the crystal balls, given all the buzz coming out of that visit, added AM, Georgia, Auburn offers, either while he was on Michigan's campus or right before I don't know it was like he uh, took a trip down through those three schools. You know, I think he's kind of entered the territory. I guess the way I put it is is if they miss on him, you know, the pressure ramps up to nine or ten to like you gotta there's you start there you almost feel like they're gonna have to start scrambling a little bit it puts it's going to put way too much pressure on uh discovering a hidden gem via an eval or a senior season deal or trying to flip somebody if that's a committed to another program so you know and this would be one anytime i mean you guys know when, when the crystal ball is that heavy for a certain prospect there's usually a, a significant reason why so uh-huh. knowing that you know again the ride receiver board feels very very like small uh right right? And after losing out on or losing worthy to Texas felt like it's a much, much bigger need this cycle than it maybe was originally going to be. You have to close on races like this. I think the one silver lining for Michigan in this one, I think is Mike Hart, because he's he's done a really good job in this recruitment. I think his connection to Michigan, I think, is one of those things that has paid off in the recruitments that he's really pushed on. And, And this is definitely one of them. So I'll go with Dylan Bell. I know Dane Key out of Kentucky was another one we had kind of tossed back and forth, who's a guy that we really haven't talked a ton about, but really is among the only receivers that they appear to be recruiting right now, period. So um, I go with Dylan Bell for one of mine.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good pick. I mean, I think there are other guys that they're in with. Dane Key is definitely a guy that they're pushing hard for, and I could see them uh, still potentially – uh, getting Dane Key they're definitely still going to push for Dane Key uh, even if they get Dylan Bell as expected but like you said they haven't really cast a wide net at receiver for whatever reason uh you know hearing a lot of uh you know a lot of Michigan buzz uh at least from maize and blue circles with Tobias Merriweather uh, from out of Washington it'll be interesting to see how that You know, if that translates into them becoming uh, one of the favorites for him. But, again, I mean, that's really the extent of what we're talking about as far as receiver is concerned. You know, Tyler Morris is coming off of that injury. He is in the class, but coming off an ACL. But uh, another must-get, I'm going to go with Kenneth Grant, guys. You know, Kenneth Grant out of Merrillville, Indiana, uh, a guy who is what they need on the interior. You know, six four, three hundred and thirty-five pounds is what he's listed at. He went to Ohio State's camp and killed it. And Ohio State offer is significant that he didn't commit there on the spot. He's a guy that the Wolverines expect to have on campus later this month, right, Mr. Mr. Marriage? And so, I mean, of course, the defensive staff, uh, you know, your your you got Sean Newell, obviously, uh, involved in that recruitment. But this is another one. You mentioned Mike Hart with Dylan Bell. This is another one that I think Mike Hart is involved in. I think Steve Klinkscale uh, is involved in on some level. I think that Kenneth Grant is an all-hands-on-deck type of recruit because he's what he fits the profile of what you need. He's in the footprint which makes him more attainable than a guy who, you know, obviously we've known about a lot longer and Walter Nolan. But, you know, Walter Nolan is always, was always going to be a knockdown, drag out, tough to get. You're in good shape. You're in a good spot. But Kevin Grant is a footprint guy, a footprint guy at a position of need. Uh, this is one where if they don't get him, it puts – It puts a ton of pressure on you, Uh, you know. Elsewhere on the defensive line, where we we just talked about last week, Bryce, Derek Shepherd. If I'm Michigan, I mean, he's a priority no matter what, because, like I said, you know, Walter Nolan is always going to be a tough one. He's a take no matter what time he comes. But Derek Shepherd is another guy that would be attainable in this mix. But Kenneth Grant is definitely a higher priority uh, item or or target. A guy that they need to get in this class, Bryce. Uh, and you mentioned an offensive lineman that we were looking around. Offensive line-wise, you can't... While they're going to get Lee on campus a couple of times, he's not as realistic as another guy from out that way.
2: Yeah, Mark Naboo. Um, this is a guy that Steve's really been all over in terms of recruit recruiting-wise. Uh, he's from Washington, Pacific, Northwest. Michigan had a satellite camp out there and they went sees several guys. Mark Naboo was one of them. And with him, you know, he's a big physical road grading, offensive lineman. He came up to Michigan on an unofficial visit last month. Um, and Sheryl Moore got to work with him, got to really spend time with him, got to know him. And I think Michigan came away pretty impressed with him. I know Steve said the Texas A&M um, site over there, their staff, really, really, really high on him. So Michigan right now they have two offensive linemen committed. You're going to need more than two every cycle. That's always a must. And he's a guy I think they have a good shot with. They've made him a top priority. And at this point, I'm not sure who else on the offensive line board there really is. You know, I mean, realistically, you know, we're going to, we talked about Connerly. but the same token, you know, that's a tough pull, regardless. That's like a Walter Nolan. They are in a good standing, but regardless of where you are, it's still a tough pull. Mark Nabu is a guy that I think Michigan has a better shot with at this point, And he's more of a top priority just because of the chances you have with him and what he can fill
1: up front as well. Right. So that's our five guys, Jeremy Patton, Deion Walker, Dylan Bell, Kenneth Grant, and Mark Naboo. Uh, the guys that, they, they, those guys need to be uh, in the class or it's, it's really going to shift some boards and some emphasis as they try to They try to expand things, but, you know, looking ahead to the barbecue at the big house guys to sort of close out this week's discussion. There definitely are noteworthy targets heading to town. And we will start with Josh Connerly, Bryce, you know, coming all the way from Washington, the first of a couple of visits, returning the satellite camp favor. This is a huge, huge deal to be getting him on campus because this is unquestionably the top line target left with George Fitzpatrick off the board, right? Carswell, the young man who, uh, you know, the AAU basketball guy who just started playing football in the spring on the barbecue at the Big House list, just committed to Miami tonight. Now, will he still come on that visit? I think Michigan is going to push for that. I think Michigan's still going to try to get Carswell up. That remains to be seen, but again, it it, shift, it makes that focus on Josh Connerly even greater that he's coming on his visit, Bryce.
2: It's a big deal. We outlined that. I would say last week, Sam, on the podcast, I mean, he fits the bill of what the everything they need up front. He uh, would turn heads. You land a kid like that, we talked about, again, last week, like Walter Nolan. He's just a guy that attracts attention. Five-star talent, fits a lot, checks a lot of boxes, but at the same time, it's going to be a tough pull, but you have to start somewhere. For him to make this unofficial, not official key there, that's big. Let's see what Michigan do once they get him up on campus.
1: Yeah, you know, as we fill out this this barbecue list, Steve. I mean, we we're paying a lot of attention to commitments, but some underclassmen coming as well. I mean, any any names, whether they're twenty twos or twenty threes, kind of jumping out at you.
0: Uh, the Montgomery Cat out of Ohio coming back up, I think, is a, a positive sign for Michigan. It uh, feels like that's one where they're pushing really hard. I know that's a recruitment Bryce uh, has done a really good job with, and I, I'm assuming the brother, the, like, 20, 31 quarterback. Was he 25? 25, right? 25. I don't 25. know. I was, I was just trying yeah. to joke. Um, is coming up. I think – actually, I think one of, the, one of the more significant ones to me is a guy already – I think getting Cody Jones back up to campus again. Uh, I think getting a guy like him. You know, Florida's pushing there. Uh, Oregon, I think. Tennessee. So I think getting him back up again uh, in such short time, I think is really, really good for Michigan. Uh, those are a couple of the guys. I know there's a, I don't know if it's the day of the barbecue or not, but um, out of Temple, Texas, Bryce, you and I were talking about him earlier today. I can't remember his name. Uh, I'll We'll have to look it up afterwards, but uh, they are hosting a lot of guys. Those are two, having Cody Jones, I think is actually quietly uh, one of the most important visitors uh, that they'll be hosting for sure.
1: I know that I talked last week about the possibility of getting Ponchatoula, Louisiana, wide receiver athlete Amarion Walker up. Like, you know, it's, it's game on if he comes on a visit, if he sets a visit. Well, I've heard that he's now set a visit for the barbecue at the Big House, that the Notre Dame commitment of Amarion Walker is slated to be on Michigan's campus on the 31st. That is a huge development uh, if he makes it up. Uh, again I'll still say that's when it's really game on I and mean, we see kids uh, you know change visit plans all the time but this is a guy that very very quickly has shot you know to the top of or near the top of Michigan's DB pursuits now like I said I know a lot of programs and even Notre Dame who he's committed to look at him as a receiver but you know Michigan has some some real insight into who and what he is with his head coach at Pontchartrain being Ron, Bellamy, Ron Bellamy's high school coach as well. Uh, you know, I think that Steve Klingscale has really, really pushed hard and really connected with the kid also. So uh, he has not rebuffed the overtures. He's taken it a step further and said that he's going to, to take a visit. Now it's a matter of seeing if he shows up. If he does, I, I just, I really like the opening that Michigan has based on what I said last week. You know, the, guy that recruited him in Notre Dame was Terry Joseph. Uh, Terry Joseph is now, uh, T- Terry Joseph also having played for Hank Tierney, uh, you know, which was Ron Bellamy's high school coach. That was the initial plug. There is an opening here from a relationship standpoint that Michigan has with the and Walker, and they are really pushing hard. This is, like I said, a significant development, a guy who's better than his ranking. His athleticism is certainly better than his ranking. I think the rankings will catch up with, uh, with what he is as an athlete at some point in the not too distant future. But again, we'll keep that running list. I think Bryce, you mentioned the, in the twenty-three class, Tamir Robinson supposed to be at the barbecue as well. Yeah, he's gonna
2: try to make in a couple in state guys. I routed off Cole Dellinger. Name sound be familiar. His brother committed and signed with LSU when he that was the 2019 class. Michigan finished second there. Um, Isaiah Marshall, the Southfield quarterback, 2024 class. He's expected to come up. Amir Herring, the 2023 star offensive lineman from West Bloomfield. He will be coming. Samaj Morgan, the speedster from West Bloomfield, will be coming up. Um, He's a guy that he got nine offers after 12 camps, so he impressed a lot of guys and a lot of coaching steps really fast. And one more quick guy to keep an eye on. We're talking about defensive linemen. He's a 2022 guy from Clearwater Academy, International, Florida. His name's Isaiah Hastings. He's 6'4", 290. He just started playing football a couple years ago. He came from Canada. Um, He's picked up several offers. He just got one actually tonight from Miami and uh, Michigan will be having him up for the barbecue. This will be his first trip ever. Uh, Michigan offered actually only earlier this month. Sean New has been talking with him. So intriguing athlete. He's new to the game. very athletic, very explosive, 6'4", 290. I know Michigan likes him. He's moving up the rankings as well. That's another one to keep an eye on. But, yes, yeah, and we're going to have plenty more names on the Michigan Insider.
1: Yeah, be sure to check it out. That is going to do it for this week's edition. Uh, we come back around next week. Like you said, Bryce, We will. we'll be in full barbecue mode at that point. So looking forward to that. Of course, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it on whatever podcast platform they like. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast and up it'll come. Don't forget, if you like this content, it's even better on a daily basis over the MichiganInsider.com. Just $1 gets you in for your first month. That'll do it for this edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider.
0: New CBS Sunday.